morning, we're going to continue with the songs of Christmas. We're going to look at the song of Zechariah. And let me just give you some background on who Zechariah is. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to dive in there in a second. But before we do that, Zechariah is married to a woman named Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary. And um, the, remember, she, they're both pregnant at the same time, and so the ladies are like, <laughs> Like sharing their little stories. Oh, how does it feel when that happens? You know, I don't know what ladies do when they're pregnant. That's kind of what goes through my mind. Um, so they, that's not part of the sermon. You're, that's free. But they they're both praying at the same time. And so Zechariah is is a priest of Israel. And what would happen every every it would almost be like winning the lottery, but what they would do is they would do this thing called cast lots, and it was like, it was like dice, and they would throw the die, and whatever the lot landed on, if you got the, the reward, then you got to go into what was called the temple, the Holy of Holies, and you would, you would minister to the Lord, you would offer sacrifice. And so the, the priest cast lot, lots, and it falls on Zechariah. So he, I mean, this is like, there's like 18,000 priests, and it's like, I mean, if, you, if this happens to you, you're set for life, okay? And basically, and so he gets into the temple, he starts doing all the things that he's supposed to do, he's offering incense to the Lord, and as he's about to offer incense, which is right near the curtain, there's this curtain inside the tent, which separates people from the presence of God. And he's right near the, the, the curtain, he's about to offer the incense, and all of a sudden, this angel comes to him. Scares the mess out of him because he's supposed to be all by himself, right? And then boom, angel appears and starts speaking to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a child, okay? So this is where we pick up, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 13, and we're going to read all the way to verse 20, okay? So pay attention, all right? Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That's, that's a wise thing to say, husbands. If you are older and your wife is older too, don't say your wife's old. You could say she's advanced in years. <laughs> Maybe not even that. Marianne's giving me the evil eye. Okay, verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Why don't we pray this morning before we go on any further. Let's just ask God to... Move in our hearts this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, as we do every week, that it is alive, that it is active, that it is real. And although it is ancient, 
It is still fresh and new. God, these are more than just words on a page. This is your very words that you've spoken to us. And I pray that this morning as we sit under your word, that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would transform our hearts, that you would bring healing where there needs to be healing, that you would bring um, challenge where there needs to be challenge. You would make us more like your son Jesus, we pray, through the power of your word. And everybody said, amen. I remember going on this uh, hiking trip many years ago. Uh, I used to live in Roland Heights. And uh, as, as many young teenagers do dumb things, we all decided about midnight to go hiking in this um, restricted old uh, army base up in the hills of Roland Heights. And I'm, if you know me at all, my personality, I'm a little bit of a um, bah humbug guy when it comes to like those kind of things. Not fun. But in my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, this is the worst idea ever. What are we doing? But I went along because of peer pressure. And I remember us driving up into the hills, right to the edge of this neighborhood, and I watched everybody jump over this fence. And I just stat- stood there and I thought, this is dumb. I am not doing this. So me, out of my stubbornness, just sat and waited in the car. And it's, it was about midnight, up in the middle of the hills. It was, you know those summer nights where there's not like a bird chirping? It's just oddly quiet and calm and dead. And I remember sitting there alone for what seemed like an eternity and just hearing nothing. It was like silence. I remember sitting in the car and I could, it was so quiet I could hear the pounding of my own heart. And it, what felt like an eternity was probably more like 20 minutes. I remember... Getting so upset, I, this is how, like, in my MacGyverness, I got some grass, and I tore sheets of grass, and I put it on the hood of a car. I left. So they would all know that I left. And so I started walking back down the hill, and this guy gives me, I hitchhike, can you believe that? This guy's like, hey, you need a ride? And I'm like, sure, whatever. So I hitchhike back to the house. But I remember in that moment, it being so almost maddeningly quiet. And that was probably for maybe 20 minutes. Now, could you imagine Zachariah's silence that he's going through for nine months of silence? I don't know what the longest period of silence you've ever gone through. And and usually in our day and age, most of the time, we don't get more than 30 seconds of silence. You know, our cell phone's ringing, Instagram is demanding that we look at it, Facebook is demanding that we like somebody's status, the TV's on, the radio's blaring, whatever it is. But Zachariah goes through this process of nine months of not being able to speak in absolute, just what I would think would be almost maddening. But see, here's the beauty of what was happening for Zechariah. It's that God was putting him through a process. God was taking Zechariah from this moment of doubt so that he would come out on the other side in a moment of faith. Remember how we talked about Mary's song last week? Remember how different it was to Zechariah's response? She, She gets a word from the Lord and immediately she magnifies God. Zachariah, in his moment of of encountering this angel, doesn't immediately magnify God. What does he do? He goes, wait, what are you talking about? There's this doubt that happens in his heart. How can this be? I'm old, and my wife's old. She's not old. She's advanced in years, right? How can this be? 
Sometimes I'd like to say about this process, sometimes our inability to master a situation, to be able to be in control of our environment, sometimes when God allows us to go through things like this where he silences us, is God, is God calling us to quiet our own understanding. It's God calling us to force our souls to trust in him. See, this, 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 the angel coming to Zechariah and, and causing him to be mute wasn't necessarily a punishment, but it was the will of God to get Zechariah on this other side, which we're going to see how Zechariah responds after this nine months. So differently than when he first hears the declaration of the angel. And sometimes I know that in this room there's people going through, you may not be mute, but there may be circumstances in your life where you feel powerless to control it. You feel like, oh, what is God doing in me? This is hard. I feel like I've been silenced. Don't fight that process. Let's, before we get in that, let's, let's look at some more scripture, what happens here. Luke, sk skip down to verse 57. And we're going to read through 64. It says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to her father, inquiring what he wanted to be called, what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, and he spoke blessing God. See, after this nine months of process of being silent, of having to be alone with his thoughts, of, of hearing this moment of declaration of great faith that the angel was, was giving to him, which should have resulted in its magnification like Mary did, and like, oh my goodness, thank you God so much, I've been praying for this. It first starts off with, how can this be? Nine months of silence, the baby is born, what happens? Zechariah declares with faith the same name that the angel had given him to be named. See, here's the thing. This is why this is significant. Because remember how the, the people are saying, oh, his name's going to be Zechariah, right? After his dad. This is what a, a long family Hebrew tradition would do. Is the, the boy is named after his father, especially such a high-ranking dad. A, Zach, a, a Levite priest who went into the Holy of Holies and offered a sign. Of course you'd name your son after something that was great that happened to you. We want to carry on that tradition. But what Zechariah does in this moment, and now we could kind of look over this, but what he does is in faith, he writes on the tablet, no, his name is John. That's profound. Because what, he has, happened to, what has happened to Zechariah is this nine months of process of silence. God has worked in his heart. All the moments when the angel had come, and he's like, why did the angel silence me? All those moments when he's wrestling, am I actually gonna, are we actually going to have a baby? And then she becomes pregnant. He's like, oh, this is amazing. And as he ponders these things in his heart, he, he probably can't wait for that moment to come out where he just can't get off his tongue. So he writes on a tablet, yes, his name is John, because God has worked these 
wonders in my heart over these nine months, how can I not in faith marry what God has done in me with what the angel has said? See, for us, maybe the temptation could be to come out on the other side of our silence period where we feel God is processing us and be a little bitter, be a little jaded. Why did I go through this? Why did God let me do this? You know what? His name is Zachariah. (laughs) Not John. I had to go through this part. I'm sure it could have been a little tempting for him to do that. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading in the text a bit. But I think we do sometimes when God allows us to go through things, want to spite God. And the challenge for us is not to resist that process. Is not to resist what God wants to work in our hearts. Even in suffering, God works things to his good. I heard it said, I'm going to misquote this. Uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon. But that God reserves the sweetest wines in his cellars of suffering. I think often we as Christians, we misunderstand our faith. We misunderstand when we go through these process times, what we want to do is we want to kick out so quick because we want comfort. We want ease. And all along this period of time, if God's silencing us, so to speak, it's that he's working in our hearts so that we come out on the other side and we can declare with faith and joy, his name is John. And whatever that is for you. God has said, and I will believe. Don't kick against the process that God has for you. Even during Christmas time. You know, it's, there's like supposed to be this, this feeling that everything's supposed to be perfect. The house is supposed to be twinkling with the, the lights are supposed to be, you know, and we get this hot cocoa feeling in our heart and everyone's smiling and maybe your world doesn't seem like that. Press into the process of what God is doing in your life. So that this Christmas time is more than just the feelings of the Christmas spirit, but it's God working in us. Just as Marianne said, Jesus has come. He's the reason why we're celebrating what we're doing. And now we're going to look at how John responds in this song. It's nine months of being silent, and all he can do, he can't help it. The moment his tongue is loosed, he bursts out into a song. Ah! God is amazing. It's, this thing's called the Benedictus, is, which means to bless God. Now, how do you bless God? I mean, God can bless us, right? That's obvious. We think of the, he blesses us with things. He blesses us with, with forgiveness of sins. He, he, all those things. How do we bless God? Well, to bless God is to praise him, is to be thankful, is to give him the honor with what, what he is due is to worship him with all of who we are. And that's what, that's what Zechariah does here. Nine months of this process, his tongue is loosed, and he praises God with all of who he is. So let's look at his, let's look at his song. Skip down to verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as, as, as he spoke by mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies 
and from the hand of all who hate us. The first thing that Isaiah does when he praises God, he speaks about the salvation of God. Uh, sorry, Zechariah, thank you. He blesses God, he praises God, he thanks God for the salvation that has come. And isn't it interesting that he doesn't necessarily like thank God for John. He thanks God for the Messiah that is being born through Mary. There's only two verses in here that he focuses on his own son. Through this process, he gets a revelation of the greatness of how big God is and what God's going to do through Jesus. So I remember a time um, when, I was a, when I was a young boy, I lived in Diamond Bar, and I would often go out and I'd say, hey, Dad, I'm going down to the park. You know, I'd go out by myself. And uh, there was this group of bullies kind of in my neighborhood. They weren't school kids. They were just kind of kids who just kind of owned the apartment complex. You know, I mean, I was like sixth grade, so I don't know. But when you're in sixth grade, that seems like a big deal. These kids are older, they're probably high school kids. And they probably saw this scrawny little twerp, and they decided, because I was by myself, let's go pick on this kid. And I remember, although I wanted to go out and play in the, in the, in the playground, I'd always be like looking to see if they were there first, you know, before I could go out on the swings. And um, I remember one time, I, saw, I was on the swings, and the kids come out, and I thought, oh my gosh. They're going to pick on me. And you know, all of a sudden, here comes my dad. Not, not to like necessarily know that I was getting picked on, but I remember this confidence coming over me. And what happened in that moment is those bullies just absolutely just shut up and they just left, right? Because my dad had come basically in the situation which changed my environment. And there, I remember feeling like, that's my dad. Dad, I, I remember in, even in sixth grade still thinking my dad, I remember when you lose that kind of uh, naivete about how great your dad is. You know, I don't remember what age it was, but I still had this feeling of like, my dad's still my superhero. He could still kick any, my dad could kick your dad's butt kind of a thing. And he walks onto the playground and I just felt this like confidence come on me. And I was like, yeah, you take that, even though I didn't say that. But it's, so to speak, that's kind of what Zechariah is doing here when he's blessing God for salvation. He talks about this horn of salvation. That is not a trumpet kind of a horn. That's speaking of an auction. A big, you know, I, I've been, I lived in Texas for 10 years, and we have these things called longhorns. You know, hook them, hook them horns. And it's these big, giant cows, and some of their, their horns span about eight feet wide. Giant horns strong horns. And when it talks about the horn of salvation, it talks about the strength of who God is. It talks about his might, about able to plow through its enemies, not broken, not easily broken. And Isaiah, he's now what, under this, uh, sorry, Isaiah, Zechariah is under this oppression. He's under Roman rule of these people who, who are telling the Jews what they can and cannot do, and they're waiting these 400 years of silence between the last prophet and now. They're waiting for a, a savior to come. And Zechariah sings about his dad who's come out on the playground. He sings about how the bullies no more are going to be able to stand up against him. He sings about this horn of salvation. Not, as, not, not only is our savior a savior, but he's a strong savior. And see, for you and me, who we may or may not be going through this period of being silenced, we may or may not be going through a hard time, 
What we can do is sing a song of salvation about who our God is. Often we sing about the little baby Jesus, meek and mild, sitting in hay around on the animals and how cute that is. But often in Christmas time, we forget about the strength of our Savior. And we are supposed to be like Zachariah and sing about how great and how strong he is. Not about our circumstances. What else, what else, how else does Zechariah respond? Not only does he sing a song of salvation, let's look at verses 70 through 75. It says, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show us the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our fathers, Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah sings this song of not only the salvation of God, but he sings this song about the faithfulness of God. I don't know if you saw it in here, but it talks about how God remembers the oath the covenant. What's a covenant? It's, just, it's kind of this big Christian word that we don't normally use in our everyday words, but it's, it's more than a promise. It's more than a contract. It is an unbreakable sworn promise that no matter if the person, one person keeps it or not, it still exists. No matter if you or I are faithful to the promise that we swear to God, God is faithful to the covenant that he swears. Why? Because he swears it by himself. Now, I know some of us wrestle with the faithfulness of God because either you feel in your process of silence that you're not seeing God's faithfulness or there's been circumstances in your life where you say, yeah, I know in my head, I know externally, my theology externally says that God's a faithful God, but internally, it's hard for me to marry the two together because of either circumstances, whatever it is. I remember, I remember being a kid, and you remember planting the, the soybeans at school in the paper towel, all you do is put water on it, and somehow it just like grows. I remember one time it just sat there and nothing happened, and everybody else's like little soybeans were growing, and mine was just sad just like a wet paper towel, bean. I don't know if my thing, I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with it. Sometimes we, we feel like that with God. We're like, God, I, I put the bean in the paper towel. I watered it. How come everybody else's sprouts are sprouting? Okay, that's really funny. <laughs> let, me, let me encourage us with some honest truth this morning about the faithfulness of God. You know, Kirk said something last week about if you have nothing to praise God for, at least praise God for the fact that your sins have been forgiven. I think often we take that for granted. 
that we have a Savior who is strong and who's forgiven sins that are strong. And when we think of God's faithfulness only allocated to how easy or hard, comfortable, uncomfortable, circumstantially our life is, we misunderstand the greatness of who Jesus is and his faithfulness. Jesus, God, you know, he, they, God never forgets the fact that our sins are forgiven if we put our hope and trust in him as Lord and Savior. That is never a thing that he w- kind of, I'm not sure about today how I'm feeling about you. The covenant that he has spoken over you through his son Jesus Christ because of the shed blood is an everlasting covenant. And so when we look at our lives sometimes and go, oh, the faithfulness of God is not showing up in my finances. The faithfulness of God is not showing up in my relationships. Absolutely is. Because there is forgiveness in Christ. There is victory over sin and death in Jesus. And I want to remind us this Christmas time again of what we're celebrating. We're celebrating Jesus the salvation of God come to us. And not only for a moment in time, but for eternity. And eternity, to speak of eternity, is to speak of faithfulness. Because it's forever. God will never, ever forget his faithfulness to you. And my challenge to you this morning is, even in your silence this morning, whatever that is, Remember the faithfulness of what Jesus has done for you. Remember his covenant, his oath. That's what Zachariah sang. That's what we should be singing. Last one. Look at verses 78 through 79, the end of his, his song. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah sings this song about the illumination of God. He sings about this light that has come. Have you ever um, stubbed your toe in the middle of the night? You know, get up for a glass of water or you have to go to the bathroom and you don't, you know, you forgot that this chair was sitting, or boom. Or maybe worse, you as parents, you ever step on a, uh, on a Lego in the middle of the night? <laughs> I told Sammy to put the Legos away. But it's like 2 a.m., so you can't, you want to wake him up. I just stepped on a Lego. <laughs> why, do you, why does that happen? Because you couldn't see it there. Unless you're some weird sadomasochist, you just love kicking stuff with your toe. But the reason why it happened is because your path wasn't illuminated. And Zechariah comes and sings this song about the illumination, about the light that has come, because the nation of Israel is dwelling in a land of darkness. They're dwelling in it, and really what he's saying for you and me is that no longer do you and I have to stumble through our faith anymore, trying to do things on our own ability and own strength. No longer do you and I have a path that's kind of 
you know, uh, foggy and we're not really sure, like, how, how do we get to God? How do we find this salvation? The path now has become illuminated because Jesus has come. No longer are we stumbling around in the darkness trying to like, oh, I don't know if this is the way God's called me to go and to find and to seek him. There is this clear path that you and I, for those of us who put our hope and faith in Jesus, have. And Zacharias sings this song like, God, thank you. No longer are we having to do things on our own, but you've come. The light of the world has come and shone. And once we were in darkness, now we're not anymore. How awesome is that? Look at, look at Isaiah chapter 9. I think somebody read this last week and encouraged us with this scripture. But I want to read it to us again. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. We'll read all the way to verse 7. Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus, about the Messiah. And it says, the people who walked in darkness, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here's the conclusion of why the light has come. Verse six, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, we sang it this morning, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. A light has come. It wasn't just for Zechariah's time. A light has come to you and to me. On Southland's Chino and into this city where God has called us to shine the light. See, if you had this light shining in you, man, Christmas time is the easiest, easiest time to let your light shine. Just walk up to somebody and go, Merry Christmas. How are you? It's so easy to start a conversation with somebody. The light has shone. No longer do you and I have to stumble in darkness. No longer do you and I have to avoid the Legos in the carpet. Because everywhere we go, the light shines. That's a song worth singing. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray. We're going to respond.